Get ready business owners that make under a million dollars per year. I'm getting ready to launch my brand new online Dominate Zero to a Million Dollars business hub with the goal of giving small business owners what they need to grow their business past their first million dollars. With the tips, the tools, the processes, the frameworks and the trainings to scale their business past the first million dollars without wasting years and millions of dollars like I did with all the trials, errors and mistakes that cost me. This will give those of you out there wanting to make your first million dollars the fast track to scaling your business. Stay tuned for the launch. All right, today I'm going to tackle a massive topic that most people have an opinion of, but it's normally not really a valid opinion or from people that have thought through this and looked at it from an intelligent perspective. So I'm going to tackle this controversial topic and we're going to be talking about men's health or men's mental health, especially, and why I think the system is doing it all wrong. The most driven people in the world want to build great empires and leave a great legacy. This podcast, The Underestimated Entrepreneur, is my attempt at documenting the lessons I'm learning on my way to building a $100 million empire that helps people perform better in life and business. My hope is that you use these lessons to live a kick-ass life while building your own empire and leaving a powerful legacy. I hope you share and enjoy. This is part one of a three-part series. In this episode, I'm going to share my opinions my studies, my research, and my experience dealing with men's mental health, and why I believe that almost all the people who are trying to tackle the men's mental health problem are doing it wrong. Hence the reason why I think we're not getting the results that we want. But let's tackle this controversial topic. Driven Mofos, welcome back to another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Michael Mojo, founder of Mojo Human Performance Institute and Mojo Business Multiplier. The reason why I do these episodes is that most people waste their life and I just don't want you to be one of them. All right, let's talk about men's mental health. There is so much stuff out there. I see the podcast, I see the TV interviews, I see the athletes talking about men's mental health and mental health in general. I hear all the support things on TV. I see all the buildings that do these men's mental health things. I see people doing breath workshops for men's mental health. I see men's mental health awareness. It's fucking everywhere. If it's everywhere, the question is, why are we getting the results we want? If we're doing more and more and more on men's mental health, why is it that we're not seeing the results that we really want in regards to men's mental health? That's the first question that I'm going to start with today. Then some of the other things that I'm going to tackle is there's all this stuff on awareness. Now, it's awareness, awareness, awareness. Now, I think awareness is probably the first step, but then it becomes the most laziest step in regards to changing things. Now, when we look at cancer, there's breast cancer awareness. Now, I'm sure that if you have been living in Australia and America for the last 10 years, you would be pretty fucking stupid to not know that there's this thing called breast cancer. So people are aware of it. But awareness does not change anything. Not unless people are unaware of it. So awareness only works when someone is unaware and now it makes them more aware. After that, it just becomes a lazy person's way to feel like they're doing something. And unfortunately, around men's mental health, there is all this stuff around men's mental health awareness, suicide awareness, suicide prevention. But the thing is that people are still fucking dying. And they're dying because people are aware of this shit. In fact, we're more aware of it than ever before in history. Yet, if you look statistically, it hasn't really changed. You can go back and have a look at the stats. I was actually only looking at the stats this morning. And when you have a look at the statistics, there have been some really big times or eras around suicide. In the 1920s and the 1930s, there was a real big peak there in Australia for suicide. Then if you have a look, it sort of averages out. And there are some years that are higher, some years that are lower and so on. It averages out to around about 1.8 to 2% of the population per year from memory that die of suicide. 
So on average, everyone, I believe, or almost everybody is aware of this thing called suicide, and they're aware of this mental men's health crisis that the media keeps rambling on about. I'm not sure whether it's a crisis or just that it's a misunderstanding. Everyone's fucking talking about it. There's more podcasts than ever. There's more TV advertising than ever. There's more advertising on billboards. There's more businesses that do it. There is more breath workshops. There is more fucking workshops on everything around men's mental health. Yet if you have a look at it statistically, it hasn't really changed. So then why is that the case? And this is what I want to talk about today. And I know this is probably going to piss some people off. And I hope that a lot of you will share this on your social media because I'm going to be quite controversial in these things that I suggest and in what I'm talking about. And it's going to go against the grain of what most of society is talking about. Like, to be honest, I really think that this awareness stuff is fucking stupid. And it's fucking stupid because it doesn't solve a problem. Okay, if I shit my pants and I'm aware that I shit my pants, it doesn't mean that there's not shit in my pants anymore. It just means that I'm aware that I've shit my pants. If you're aware that there is this thing called mental health or that there is a mental health crisis, then you're aware of it. That's it. But that's where the buck stops. So it's the first step. Like if you don't know you've crapped your pants, then that's a problem. With men's mental health, if you're going to consistently talk about men's mental health awareness and post all this shit about men's mental health awareness on your Facebook and your Instagram, you would have to assume then that most people don't know about what it is because the only thing that you're doing is helping people to know what it is. Now, if people know what it is and then there's no solution, all you've done is you've highlighted a problem without a solution. And our society is fucking epic at highlighting a problem without a solution. Okay, people go this are you okay day, right? So we have are you okay day. So I'm gonna go and ask my friends now like, hey, dude, are you okay? And they go, no, I'm fucked. And then you go, cool, I asked a question. I did my part. Now what? So what we've done is we've essentially given people a bomb without knowing how to defuse the bomb. And so by asking the question, sometimes it actually brings up problems that aren't really highlighted or aren't really there until you ask. Like if I ask you, what are your problems today and what are you really stressed about? If you just think about that, you're going to start thinking about the things that stress you out because that's where your area of focus is. So when you ask people things like, are you okay? Well, am I okay? Am I not okay? I start asking questions because of the question. So we've got to be very careful about the way we ask people questions. Now, I remember years ago, I figured this out when I used to do a lot of just generic mindset stuff. I remember having a client who came over and this was a referral from his sister. So I worked with this girl who got some good results working with me. And so she said, do you mind if I send my brother to you? And I said, yeah, that's fine. So he rocks up at my front door and I asked him, you know, hey, how are you? He's suffering from depression. And so all of a sudden he then goes into, you know, I'm feeling shit, life's crap, life's bad. And so I've got to listen to him now for 15, 20 minutes, talk about how shit everything is. We do part of the session. Then a couple of weeks later, he comes back. I ask him the same question. How are you going? How's everything going? And he gets into this thing about how shit everything is and how bad life is. After doing this for a while, I realized that the question that I'm asking him is directly responsible for the responses that I'm getting. Now, if I want someone to think about everything that's pink around them, you're going to look for pink because that's the question that I asked. If I asked you to go think about a red car, think about a red car, think about a red car. And now I ask you, what in your room was blue? How many blue things did you count? Most people would say, well, I don't know because I didn't count them. That's because the question that I asked directed your focus. So if we're directing people's focus to their problems, their pains, their stresses, or if they're in a negative state and they're used to being in that state because it's part of their identity, it's part of who they believe they are, it's part of their thought processes, it's part of their emotional states and they become addicted to those feelings or they just end up in a consistent cycle of feeling those things, then asking the question just brings all that shit up for them. 
and it doesn't help them. I don't ask people that are depressed, how are you feeling? Because how the fuck do you think that they're feeling? They're feeling depressed, which is why they're depressed. So don't ask them, how are you feeling? Because it's a stupid question. What it does is it takes their focus and it directs them on their feelings. Now they're feeling depressed. Why? Because first of all, a lot of people who now say I'm depressed or I have depression, their identity becomes that. So when your identity becomes that, that becomes the mask that you wear to the external world. That is called a persona. So your persona now becomes, I have depression. So now you have depression. That becomes your identity. So the language that you use inside your own mind is around depression. The questions that you ask yourself are around how you feel when you're feeling depressed. So now your focus becomes that. And over time, you reinforce the same focus, the same thinking, the same emotional states, and the same identity. And because of that, these people end up in spirals. So asking them stupid fucking questions only gets stupid fucking answers that don't help them. Most people don't think about this shit. You know, when people are going, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? And they're posting, are you okay? On their fucking social media page. All you're going to do is you're going to ask people, are they okay? Now, if someone's not okay, it's going to bring up their shit. And then what are you going to do? What are the resources after that? How do you take them from step one now to step two, step three, step four? The only thing that most people do is they go, oh, you better go seek help. Well, who do they get help from? Oh, Lifeline's there. Okay, well, what are they going to do? Well, they're going to talk to someone. Well, what does fucking talking do? Well, they get to talk about their problems. Yeah, but what does that do? Well, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. What you're really saying now is I ask someone, are they okay? I've thrown them into a negative thinking cycle or a cycle where they feel like they're going through shit. All I've done is I've grabbed the hot potato or the football and I've handballed it to them or I've kicked it to somebody else hoping that they'll figure it out. And so even if they call Lifeline or they call somebody else, that person that you ask, are you okay? You're expecting that now somebody else is going to figure it out because you don't have tools or resources. You've asked the question, highlighted a problem, and then left them with it. I don't think that it's a good idea in most cases. Now, is it okay to do that sometimes? Yeah, of course it is. Will it sometimes help? Yes. In very small percentages and very small circumstances, it does help. The problem is that most people haven't thought through this, just like most people don't think through most things in life. They just do things because it seems like a good idea. And most people have a good intention. They have a good intention that they want to help. So if I just ask my friends, are you okay? And they go, well, no, I'm not. Then I go, okay, you better go and see somebody. I feel like I've helped. But have you really? The question is, have you really helped? Or have you just fucking ignited a dynamite stick and left them with it? So what I've learned over the years is don't ask people that aren't okay, are they okay? Because normally it will make it worse. Ask them better questions. Better questions produce greater results. It directs their focus in different directions. So here's what I did. I started asking them. I want you to tell me next time you come, what are 10 awesome things that have happened in the last week? Guess where their focus is now? They're focusing on the things that are happening in their life that are awesome. They're focusing on now the things that they're achieving in their own life. Now, they might only change that with you though. So I found this with my grandmother. My grandmother, I would say, had depression. Now, she was never diagnosed with it, but as she got older, she got a bit depressed. She wouldn't leave the house as much and so on. But I would go over her house and every time we were there or my family were there, she would always complain about all of her problems and do the whole like, poor me sympathy card. She would play that card because she was allowed to play that card. The thing that she wanted was connection with her family. And so one day, I asked her a different question. So I was over there and I got sick of her complaining all the time. I'd go over there, how's your week, Nan? Oh, well, you know, everything's hard and I didn't go to the shops because my leg hurt and my back hurt. And I went to the doctors and she would have this whole thing. And I was like, fuck, I'm sick of hearing this shit. Now, it wasn't that I didn't care about my grandmother is that I cared about her so much that she was better than the way that she was living. And I would try to support her. I'd say, come on, then we'll go for a walk. No, I don't want to. It's too hard. Okay, well, why don't you go to the shops? No, well, uh, 
okay? Now, it's because she didn't want to find a solution. And I'm assuming that there are a lot of you out there who are listening to this podcast who have friends and family that play that sympathy card and you've tried to help them. You've done your best because your intention is to get the best out of them. I think most humans have an innate intention to want to get the best out of people around them. But we're not taught tools to do that. We're taught the generic shit that most people in our society use and then it gets reinforced because someone thought it was a good idea, then someone else thought it was a good idea and then everyone else now starts sharing it and it gains traction and that's it. Doesn't mean that it's a good idea. It doesn't mean that it even works. It doesn't even mean that someone thought about it. It just means that someone thought it was a good idea at some point and then now it's fucking shared. So my grandmother then sits there and she complains about all of her problems and she gets exactly what she wants, which is connection. Her family sit there and they worry about her. Then she connects with them more. And so every time they rock up, she puts on the poor me sympathy card and she doesn't do anything to change. Now, if someone doesn't do anything to change, it's because they get benefits to not changing. Living organisms, if you study biology, just the fucking basics of biology, and this is what pisses me off with the industry that reinforces this shit. Basic studies in biology show that no organism does anything that is detrimental to its own life. It perceives that it gets benefits from doing what it does. Every living organism has the need and the want to survive, and it will move away from things that it perceives are toxic. So when someone says, I have this toxic mindset, you don't have a toxic mindset. You have a mindset that benefits you that you label as toxic. It's just you can't see the benefits in that label of toxic mind. So when someone comes to me and they say, I'm sick of having all these problems, I'm sick of stressing, I'm sick of worrying. The reason why you keep worrying is because you get benefits out of worrying about shit. You get benefits out of being stressed. You try and take stress away from a stress head and they go straight back to stress. Why? Because it's beneficial to them. That's why they do it. You can get a single cell bacteria, put it in a Petri dish or a dish. You can culture that bacteria and then you put something that's toxic to that bacteria near it and it moves away from it. That bacterium doesn't even have a brain. So living organisms that don't even have a brain move away from things that it perceives are toxic to its life. It moves away from it. So when humans that are one of the most evolved, if not the most evolved living organism on the fucking planet, sit there and they go, oh, this thing's toxic, this thing's bad yet they don't do anything to change it. It tells you it's not as bad as what they're suggesting. They get benefits out of it because they are there in it and they're not moving away from it. If it's bad enough, they will change. If it's bad enough, they will move away from it. They get benefits out of it. So then the key question is, what are the benefits that people get out of complaining, of labeling themselves as having certain issues? What are the benefits that they get out of it by not changing? Driven mofos. I wanted to mention something that means a lot to me. When I was younger, everyone doubted me and their doubts became my doubts. Their fears festered inside my mind and I hated myself as I knew I could do so much more in life. I just didn't know where to start and failure would reinforce what a loser I already believed I was. If it wasn't for listening to audios just like this, which I spent tens of thousands of dollars on, I would have probably ended it all. I know that there are so many people out there who feel this way and are holding themselves back from greatness. So if I could ask just one favor today, it would be that you share this podcast with just one person as it may make all the difference and start them on a new path. When our society starts admitting to themselves that there are huge benefits that people get out of having these crises and that they use it normally for attention, they use it for connection. Now, I'm not saying everybody's in this situation. I'm not saying that it's everybody. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that when we look at these things, you'll start to see that there are certain circumstances where this is very, very, very fucking applicable. I listen to business owners all the time complain about how big a problem their business is and why they're so fucking stressed and frustrated. Yet you take the stress and the frustration away from them and they lose their drive. 
And when they lose their drive, they go back to being stressed and frustrated because what they really want is the drive. They don't really want to get rid of the stress. They don't really want to get rid of the pressure because the stress and pressure helps them to achieve. It helps them to perform. And they have this silly mindset that goes, I shouldn't have stress. I shouldn't have pressure. It's the fantasy of the life or the mindset that they think they want that is actually the problem. It's a fantasy. If you say to them, look, if I got rid of the stress, you'd lose your drive. Now you get that or you get stress and you get pressure and you also get drive. Which one do you want? I guarantee most driven people will take the stress and the pressure with the drive and the achievement any day over the idea of no stress, no pressure, and no achievement. I'm not saying that you can't have drive without stress and pressure, but you've got to be very fucking clear with what you're doing, which is why I teach what I teach at Thrive Time and why when I talk about the mental performance tools there, it changes people's fucking lives because they have a new way of achieving without needing stress and pressure all the time. But for 99% of the population that are driven, they can't do it without stress and pressure. So you'll listen to them complain all the fucking time. They will complain. I don't want stress. I don't want pressure. Yet at the same time, they want to achieve things. Yet the only way they achieve things is through stress and pressure. It's the only way they get shit done. So if you take away that, you take away their drive. You take away their achievements. They don't want to not achieve because their identity is based on achievement and success and being successful. And so now they're caught in this conundrum. I don't want the stress, but I want the achievement. I don't want the pressure, but I want the results. Okay, I don't want the mental chaos, but at the same time, I want the success. And they haven't figured out how to get them both together. They haven't. And so because of that, they keep going back to what they know and what they really want, which is the success and the achievement and the drive. And so they're caught in this conundrum, all because of an idea of having one without the other. Okay, and this happens in the mental health space all the time, all the time. And this is from working with fucking thousands of people, having people from the military with PTSD come to our events, having people from the emergency services come to our events and wanting to do better for themselves. And they've tried other things. They've tried a lot of these teachings and methodologies that society keeps reinforcing. And all it does is it makes them worse over time, not better. Or they end up getting drugged and medicated, which they also don't want because it makes them more numb to their emotions. Now, is numbing your emotions okay? Yeah, it is. Because if you're suicidal or you're going through these anxiety disorders or these depressive disorders that are just making you almost catatonic where you can't do anything, then maybe being medicated and being numb is okay. But at the same time, it doesn't really solve the problem. A lack of medication isn't normally the issue. And so therefore, it's not really the solution to the problem either at a deeper level. Now, sometimes there might be a serotonin deficiency or there might be a dopamine deficiency. But then the question is, why is that happening? And a lot of the time that's driven from the perceptions and the thought processes which changes a person's neurochemistry. It is really easy to show this in two fucking seconds with most people. Because if I stress somebody out and put them into a stress state, for instance, if I threw a snake in the room that was a carpet python, now if someone doesn't like snakes, immediately they see the snake. That snake then freaks them out and they go straight into a fear response. Their neurochemistry and their hormonal states change immediately. Boom! Why? It changes based on the perception. It's just a carpet python. It's non-venomous. It's not going to hurt them. But their perception of that thing changes their neurochemistry and their hormonal states immediately. It's their perception that drives the whole thing. It's not the snake. It's their perception of the snake. If you put someone who grew up who doesn't like dogs around dogs, it will change their neurochemistry in a second. Why? Because of the perception. The perception in most cases drives the neurochemistry and the hormonal states of a person. Because the flight, fight, or freeze response, which is our survival response, kicks in immediately if we feel like we're under threat. And if a person feels under threat day by day, they're going to keep kicking in their flight, fight, or freeze response. The freeze response means that people don't do shit. 
When someone is frozen, they don't do shit. They don't change. When someone has the fight response, they get aggressive. They get angry. When someone has the flight response, which is run away from things, they will tend to keep wanting to run away from everything and run away from their problems. And you can see this happening with the majority of the population. I speak to people on the phone every week and they're like, you know what? I really want to change my life. And you're like, right, here's what we need to do. And they're like, yeah, I need to think about it. And I'm like, the motherfucker is caught in a freeze response. I need to think about it. You don't need to think more. You've been thinking for the last fucking 10 years. That's why you're stuck. You don't need to think more. You need to do more shit. You need to move, right? That's the reason why most people don't get anywhere because they're always fucking thinking about doing shit. They're not doing stuff. So that's number one. Number two is that a lot of people are like, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll call you back. And then you never hear from them and try to get in contact with them. They're fucking gone. Why? Because they're running away from it. They don't want to do anything. They want to run away from their problems. And then on the other hand, some people get really aggressive and they'll be like, you don't need to change me, blah, blah, blah. And they get all fucking attacky. Why? Because again, they don't want to change. They're aggressive now. That's because they're in a flight, fight, or freeze response. That's their survival response. When someone drops into that, that's not them using their prefrontal cortex, the most evolved part of the brain. They're using a part of the brain called the limbic system and specifically areas like the hypothalamus and the amygdala and so on. And it's pushing them into a survival response. Now they're being run off of their chemistry of their body, not running off the thought processes of their mind. So they can't think logically. They're thinking about how they feel. So their feelings now drive their thought processes. So when they feel a certain way, they think a certain way. And then because they think a certain way, they feel a certain way. And that's their feedback loop. Whereas when you're thinking more logically and you're out of a fear response, you might get an emotion pop up, but then you think about it logically and you go, okay, well, let's think through this. And how do I do this? And how do I move forward? And what's my real goals? And so you start using logic to control your emotions. When you're caught in your emotions, you use your emotions to think. Okay. And this is a more primitive way of thinking. It's a survival response, not a thrive response. When you build your perfect life map and you understand what you're trying to achieve in life and you become more mission-driven, you're more mentally and emotionally balanced, you then thrive. You use a thrival response, not a survival response. When you're stressed and frustrated and running off your emotions all the time, you're in a survival response. So in the mental health industry, most people are dealing with their emotional states, not their logical states. And they don't know how to balance out their brain. They're normally living outside of their values. They have implanted values from other people, so they're trying to please others. They're trying to be perceived a certain way. They're trying to deal with the judgments and the criticisms and the opinions of people around them. It might even be from their past and they haven't been able to work through that shit. And so because of that, they're trapped. They're stuck in past thoughts, past perceptions, past feelings, and those past perceptions, feelings, and thoughts now keep reinforcing how they feel today. And so they're running off of their emotions. They wake up first thing in the morning, their alarm goes off. They go, oh, fuck, I've got to do this again. And then they think about yesterday and they think about last week and they start thinking about their past. And now all of a sudden they're caught up in that emotional state again. They get out of bed and they're feeling like shit. Then they feel like shit. So they start thinking more about how they feel. They start thinking about their emotions. The more they think about their emotions, they ask questions like, why do I feel like shit? Why am I always tired? Why do I feel so depressed? Why am I down all the time? Why aren't I achieving? Why aren't I getting the results they want? And now it's throwing them into this downhill spiral. Now, this isn't just about men's mental health. This is just mental health in general. So we started with, first of all, the questions that you ask determine a person's focus. So when the focus is incorrect, it's going to determine how they feel. Then how they feel is going to determine what they focus on and the questions that they ask. And now we're in this reinforcing pattern that most people, especially who classify themselves as having mental health problems, get caught in. Then you've also got to look at other things. So let's talk about things like when someone's feeling depressed. Most people are depressed because their current reality doesn't meet their expectation of how reality should be. And so they have these unrealistic expectations about their life. Now, unrealistic may not be unrealistic to most people. Like someone might say, you know, I'm feeling depressed and you go away depressed. And they're like, you know what? Well, I just, I think I'm depressed because of my childhood. And you go, okay, cool. But there's a perception about how their childhood should be. 
or should have been. And so that unrealistic expectation that they have, when I call it unrealistic, it's saying that you can't go back and change your childhood. That's why it's unrealistic. But they have an expectation of how childhood should have been. So there's a comparative there. It's that comparative that normally makes people depressed. Anytime you have an idea that is inflated from what it really is, you will then start to feel down or depressed. So if I feel like I've had a shitty day, you ask someone, okay, why did you have a shitty day? And they go, well, because I had this problem and I had this stress and I had this frustration and then this thing didn't work. And you go, okay, well, how should have the day been? And when they tell you their shoulds, the should of the day is different than the actual day itself. And because their shoulds don't match their expectation of the day and how it really was, then now you've got a disparity or you've got a gap in their own mindset. That gap in their mindset, the bigger the gap, the more depressed they feel. So if I feel like today I should make a lot of money because I got all these sales calls and I should make, let's say, $100,000 in sales. Well, if I get on the phone and I can't get hold of people, I get more frustrated. I get more frustrated because I'm not closing the sales. And then this keeps spiraling on. And by the end of the day, I'm starting to sit there and I'm thinking, you know what? This is fucked. I've made 50 calls or 100 calls. I haven't got through to anyone. No one's answering their phone. No one's getting back to me. Today's just a shit day. Well, it's only a shit day because the comparison that I set at the start of the day is that I should make $100,000 in sales. But at the end of the day, I made zero because of all these things didn't match up. And now because of that, I'm feeling shit. If you do that every day for a period of time, you're then going to look back and go, well, my month's been shit. And then if you look back over a year, go, my year's been shit. The more you do that, the more depressed you're going to be. So it is important to match our reality with our expectations. Like running a business, business owners will say dumb shit like, well, you know what? I shouldn't have all these problems. I can tell that they're stressed, they're frustrated, they're burnt out, and they're probably going to be partially depressed. Why? Because in order to run a business, you just wake up in the morning and you deal with problems all day long. That's a business owner. Now, if you don't want to do that, don't run a business. And you ask them, well, why do you run a business? And they go, well, because I want to have the money and I want to have the freedom. Well, fuck, you started a business for freedom. Now you've got 20 staff. You think you're going to be more free or less free with 20 staff? It's like running a childcare center for fucking adults. So now because of that, you're now waking up in the morning all stressed out. You're frustrated. You're saying stuff like, I've got to go to work and deal with these dickheads and fucking uh. And yet you're bitching and moaning. Why? Because you started a business with a false pretense of what business really is. You build a team because you enjoy building a team. You lead the team because you enjoy being a leader. You build a business because it serves a purpose. There's a mission there. And it helps you to be a better individual within yourself. Are there going to be a lot of stress in business? Fuck yeah, that's why most of them fail. When you realize this, you just wake up and you run your business because that's what you do. When you think that it's going to be easy and when you think that everything's going to be great or when you think that having more staff is going to be easier or when you think you start a business in order to make more money all the time and it's going to, you know, money's just going to be a lot easier to make, you're going to be massively stressed, depressed, frustrated. You can start to have mental health issues. Okay, it's because there's a huge disparity between your expectations and what's really happening in life. When you just sit there and you wake up and you go, you know what, I expect there's going to be problems today. And you get problems, you go, oh, yeah, cool. All right, we just get on with it. Now, a lot of people in their life, their expectations don't meet their reality, whether it's their childhood or whether it's their current experiences. And because of that, it normally throws people into a downhill spiral mentally and emotionally. So that's part of the mental health problem. And no one fucking talks about this shit. When I say stuff like this, I get criticized. Okay, and people fucking die every day from suicide. Why? Because no one's talking about this shit. No one really wants to do it. What they want to do is they want to put on their little badge and they go, oh, I've given money to charity. Then the charity goes and spends 80 to 90% of that trying to get their next dollar. So if you go and look at most charities, you give a dollar to the charity, or let's say $100, you give $100 to the charity, most charities will spend 80 to 90% of that money paying a sales and marketing team and branding agency in order to keep getting more money. So it's probably only 10 to 20% of all the money that is donated 
maybe 20% at best in most big charities that actually go to the cause. Why? Because they've got to pay for more marketing. They've got to get more attention. They've got to get it out there. And so that's why they raise these fucking awareness campaigns. We need more awareness. Pay us more money so we can raise more awareness. So what they're really saying is we're essentially a marketing agency and whatever's left over, the dregs, we will give to research. And then the researchers that get the grants, they normally have to spend most of their time trying to get the fucking grant and trying to get the money because they can't pay for the research. This is the beauty of the modern scientific era where most scientists have to spend a lot of time trying to get grants so that they can keep their doors open and get paid and do their job. And so that they can put their kids through school, right? They're spending bloody decades doing study and research and all that shit and they can't even spend their proper time doing it because they're more worried about making money now. Because if not, they don't have a job, they don't have a career and they can't look after their life and their lifestyle. That's not fair. So this shit is just a, a common problem that no one really thinks about and no one's really dealing with because very few people want to talk about it. Thank you for listening to part one of this three-part series. Remember to tune in for the next episode to hear part number two.